My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honourable name by which you were called? If you really fulfil the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Father God, we pray now as we come to your word that we would be doers, not just hearers. Lord, that we would see what we are really like in your word and that will drive us to Jesus. Help us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we begin, I wonder what kind of church you would like Christ Church Bromley to be known for. Or maybe you're looking in today, what kind of church are you looking for? I'd imagine somewhere on the list is a church that loves me and loves others and loves its neighbours. A church not known for judging, but known for honouring others and above all, honouring the Lord Jesus Christ. A church where when you left, you say, I was loved. I was welcomed there. Well, good news. James is going to help us to walk through how to grow in these things. But by the way, if none of those things bother you, if you're rather just going to come to church, get your fill of teaching, leave, you just want a kind of a well-oiled machine, very good at kind of strategy, and you're not really bothered about loving anyone. Well, James is going to tell us we might have a, a serious, deadly, eternally fatal, life-threatening problem. And so let us draw close. Let's come with humility to be blessed by God's word. Now, the letter of James uh, to the early church is really a, a quest to see the church and all its individuals displaying true religion, to be those who live as God's loved and blessed children, who have been set free, who have been liberated, to live pure and undefiled. 
to be a reflection of the Lord of glory. The Lord of glory who left the glories of heaven, who took on flesh. Jesus, the God-man. We sung, haven't we, about that. And he lived as poor as, as they came. Sometimes he had no means of his own and relied on others. And he died a public, shameful, penniless death on a cross. And there he was beaten so much, he had a face only a mother could love. And it's glorious. Glorious. He took our sins on himself and paid for it to set us free, to liberate us from sin, to live a life for God. And it's a wonderful freedom. It's a freedom that speaks and acts in God's glorifying love. Freedom from to tap to ourselves from the ways and the patterns and the lies of this world. Freedom to love, rich or poor, old or young, impressive or unimpressive. To love the needy, to love the widow, the orphan, the refugee, the single mum, the depressed, the marginalised, and the list goes on and on and on. But what has been your experience of love in the church? Good? Bad? I suspect it would be different for each of us. And how good are we are loving in a way that Jesus has set us free to do? A James 2 might be a hard pill to swallow, but I promise if we come with a humble heart as we've prayed, this has the power to turn any church into a city on a hill that shines out. Now imagine as the service is about to start, two men walk in. Uh, first time, both of them, and one man is dressed well. He's got a, a Canada goose jacket. I've been told they're like 400 quid. I, I'm never going to have one. Um, he's well groomed. He has a signet ring. He's got a watch. Yeah, it's smart. It's a nice watch. It's not too flashy, but it costs quite a lot. And he just seems to kind of smell of success. He kind of holds himself well. Uh, he has a presence about him. He's very switched on. He's a big friendly smile as, as he's welcomed in. He's very good of all the, the small talk. And let's call him Successful Sam. Successful Sam. The other man, well, he's a teenage boy, 17, 16. He's penniless. He's wearing kind of odd clothing, kind of big baggy trousers. He's, uh, his hair's uncut and it's unwashed. I mean, there's no food in it, but it definitely needs a clean. It's a bit greasy. He likes his heavy metal. And he speaks differently. He's a bit unclear. And he knows nothing about the Bible. He's weird. He's a bit weird. He doesn't really fit in. Maybe a bit scary to some. Let's call him Scruffy Sid. There's no Sids here, are there? Great, good. Sorry if you're Sid online. Um, but as you sit down, there's a space next to you. Now, which of those would you honestly prefer to come and sit next to you? Which of those are you going to talk to first, assuming there's time to talk to the other one? Which of those do you think will be better for Christchurch Bromley? Scruffy Sid, 
of a successful Sam. Uh, Matt DJ, he's the a pastor from Grace Church Beckenham, and I have confessed to each other that as a small church plant in need of people, we have struggled with processing people by what they can bring to the party, rather than by loving them as a person made in the image of God, or loving them as a brother and sister who have been saved by grace following Christ. The early church James was writing to, and many churches today, would rather successful Sam over Scruffy Sid. And sometimes it's very intentional, often it's not. Often it's just it's easier to talk to Sam. And there's not many Sids here, so he doesn't really fit in. And we do need people to help with kids and uh, to help on the welcome team and to help with our events. And Sid, well, he's, he's lovely-ish, but he's not really suitable for any of those things. And it's how we've been trained to think. Uh, since we were at school and we do our exams, We've been told, haven't we, that our value is based on what we can offer, what we can give, provides our value. And that's a lie. It's an ugly lie. It's a lie that happens in the church. And it stands against God's command to love our neighbour. And it's called partiality. And I'm guilty of it. But is it really a big deal? Yeah, we know it's it's not great to love Sam over Sid. But, you know, I get on more with Sam. and No, James says it's evil. Black and white, we've read the words together. It's evil. It's non-godlike. And it's stupid. It's plain stupid. To sum it up, James says partiality is a sin deserving of judgment. And verse 4, evil, verse 4. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? James doesn't say, oh, it's, it, it's not great, uh, but it happens. James says it's evil, doesn't he? And we can say, okay, the Bible gives the thumbs up that war is a greater evil than favoritism. But God's standards aren't like our standards where we say, well, if I have um, a group of kind of lesser sins, three or four kind of sins that everybody does, then I'm okay. God's standard is sin is a sin is a sin. It breaks the law. It breaks God's heart. And it hurts Sid. And James 4, 11 to 12 is really helpful as well. It basically outlines that God alone has given us the law, which can be summed up as love God with all you have and love your neighbor as yourself. And so therefore, God alone is the judge. And God will judge according to his good law. And so when we make appearance-based judgments and decide who we're going to love and who we're not going to love today, well, we're setting ourselves up as judges instead of God, opposed to God, in fact. In that moment, we're not reflecting the goodness of God, but we're acting the opposite of God, evil. It's not godlike. 
James reminds us that God has often chosen to love the poor. God's heart beats and breaks for the poorest, the harassed, the ill-treated, the marginalized, that outcast. Think of when God chose the Israelites. God says that you weren't the biggest and you weren't the strongest and you weren't the richest. You were the smallest and the weakest, therefore the poorest. Yet God set his love upon them. When God rescues his people from Egypt, when they're slavery under Pharaoh, they were slaves. They were dirt poor. They had nothing. And there's endless examples where God is setting his love on the poorest, the weakest. Some of the largest and strongest churches in the world are in the poorest areas. Some of the strongest churches are subject to persecution, leaving them poor. And so for us to love Sam over Sit, to put the poor a second, to marginalize, to not really be bothered if they stay or not, that's not godlike at all. We must remember God doesn't hate the rich. Uh, Abraham and Job are both mentioned positively in James, and they were both minted, absolutely loaded. And we read of both rich and poor being saved and united as equal in the Bible. I read the book of Philemon uh, to see that. But in general, there is a, a heart of God that beats for the poor, or for the downtrodden, the rejected, the broken, the oppressed. Those who come open-handed, humble hearts. Lord, I have nothing. I am nothing. Fill me. Lord, I come to you. That is what the Lord loves. It's not godlike when we put the rich on a, a pedestal at the cost of the poor. And James says as well that it's, it's stupid. James says, look, you're honoring the rich at the expense of the poor, but who is it trying to shut down the churches? Well, it's the rich, says James. Who is it that are taking you to court? Well, it's the rich. In Acts, uh, Paul removes an evil spirit from a slave girl. She had this spirit uh, that enabled her uh, to, to kind of say things that uh, people didn't know, and the uh, slave owners were using that to make a load of money. And Paul cast out that spirit, frees her from that. And what does the rich owner do? He throws Paul in prison, stones him. When the Salvation Army were on mission and hundreds of drunks in London came to Jesus, what did the owners of the off-licenses do? They threw stones at the Salvation Army. Probably not like that. That's not going to hit anyone, is it? But they threw stones at the Salvation Army officers. And in the countries of persecution, who do you think is leading the persecution? It's the rich, it's the powerful, right? Those in charge. It's stupid. It's like um, if you're allergic to dairy and you... Uh, wake up every morning and you have a nice big glass of milk and you throw up all over the place and you think, oh, 
And then the next morning, you wake up, have a big glass of milk, and you throw up all over the place. And then the next morning, you have a... James says, what are you doing? So we're so programmed, aren't we? Oh, what we really need to make the church flourish and to grow and to, and to really be, be as great as it can be, we need to get the rich and the powerful in. But read God's word. He often works with the poorest and the weakest to do his work. It's God's work. And he works through weakness. We see that ultimately with Jesus, don't we? Works through weakness. Partiality is evil. It's non-God-like. And it's stupid. But James doesn't stop. He really wants us to see that this is a sin deserving of judgment. James is a good teacher, isn't he? He really wants us to see it. And so verses 8 to 11 tells us that if we fail to love our neighbor as ourselves in one area, even a small or favoritism and partiality, we've broken all the law. We are lawbreakers. Now the law of God is more like a pane of glass than a pile of rocks. What What do I mean by that? So if I've got a pile of rocks and I kind of take away a couple of the rocks and throw them away, I've still got a pile of rocks. And we think that with God's law. If I take away some of the smaller ones, I've still got God's law. It's okay. But it's like a, a pane of glass, because if I hit a pane of glass, no matter where I hit it, right in the middle, loud and proud, or right in the bottom, the whole pane is broken. The whole thing is shattered. And so if we've committed partiality, then we've broken God's law, the royal law, all of it. We're sinners deserving of judgment. So let me be crystal clear. If I'm treating successful Sam with favoritism over scruffy Sid, I have broken God's law. I have not loved my neighbor as myself. And I deserve judgment. Now, right about now, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like I'm wearing a three-piece suit on a blazing hot day. I feel uncomfortable because I feel guilty. Now, I um, preached this this morning, and a few people said to me, well, thank you very much, but kind of partiality is not really a, a sin of mine. And uh, we praise the Lord if, if that's true. That's a work of the Lord. Um, I think what they meant was the kind of Sid uh, or Sam. You know, that, oh, I, I wouldn't choose successful Sam over scruffy Sid. But partiality is in loads of different areas. If your decision of what church to come to is based on how many people are my age, that is partiality, right? If your decision is how many singles, how many couples, how many boys, how many girls, how do they dress, do they look like me? I think if that was purely the way we chose what church to go to, I think James would say that was a sinful way to decide what church to go to. It's big, isn't it? And I'm going to take us to hope and mercy, mercy that triumphs over judgment. We're going to get there and we're going to rejoice. I'm going to leave you to wallow in your sin for a moment. I just want to quickly comment on loving your neighbor as yourself. 
Now, increasingly, people will say, yes, but I, I don't love myself. I don't, I don't love myself. How can I love my neighbor as myself? And it's important just to pause and to say, the idea here is not that we're just going to have gushing emotions towards ourselves, and we just think we're wonderful all the time, and we just want to go and buy ourselves loads of treats and stare in the mirror and say, hey, aren't I wonderful? It's, it's more than this, but it, this is kind of getting somewhere at it, at the sense of it. It's that sense of when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you think, ugh, ugh, my face. But you wash it anyway. It's that sense of when you, you feel rubbish and you just want to curl up and you just want to disappear but you eat something anyway because you know you need it. There's a kind of a base level. We love ourselves by taking care of our, our basic needs, even with that kind of sense of self-loathing. That's getting somewhere at the sense of loving ourselves. And so we are to especially love those who cannot take care of their basic needs, who do not have the ability Two, we take care. Paul's over. I think that's enough. Where were we? We were uncomfortable by sin, weren't we? But there's hope. Brothers and sisters, there is mercy bigger than our sin. There is forgiveness strong enough never to be broken. There is mercy where there should be judgment. There is a fresh start for the sinner. There is hope and mercy over judgment. Jesus has taken the judgment we deserve so that we can be shown mercy. He was made nothing spiritually, physically poor so we can be spiritually rich. So we can be free, forgiven, blessed, loved, by the Father, made children of God. So let's not be judges with evil thoughts, setting ourselves up to decide what is right and what is wrong, as humanity have always done, right back to the beginning with Adam and Eve. Let us instead be merciful, like the Lord himself, who extends mercy to those who are a mess, to those who have nothing. The Bible says we were dead in our sins, a mess, spiritually bankrupt, bankrupt even, that we were enemies of God. And yet mercy has been poured out to us. If we are Christians, we have received mercy that triumphs over the judgment we deserve. And by the way, we still have nothing to give to God. He still doesn't need us for anything. His mercy is the light that triumphs over our darkness. His mercy is the key that unlocks us from our prisons and sets us free. But there is a warning in the text. If we are those who never show mercy, 
or to put it like this, are we are those who always judge based on what we can get out of the other person and never with love and compassion. Or to put it like this, if we always think the other person has gone beyond the point of mercy. Or another way, if we always choose successful Sam over scruffy Sid. then let's talk afterwards because we're in serious danger. Talk to me, talk to Nick, phone Matt. There is a made up, I hope it's a made up um, story. This just begins to kind of show us the seriousness of it. There was a, a homeless man, very scruffy, alcohol in his breath from um, last night, very uh, unkempt, um, and uh, he feels God tell him to go to a church. Go to church. And so he gets up, he goes to the local church, and he gets to the door. But the welcome team are anything but. I mean, they're friendly, but they're firm. Oh, um, hi, hi there. Hi, as they kind of stopping him from coming in. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm really uh, sorry, uh, but at this church, um, we come with reverence to worship the Lord. And um, everyone's wearing a suit or a nice shirt. We don't really dress like that here. We're coming before God, you know. And um, you, your breath, I can smell the alcohol. You're going to scare the children. I tell you what, why don't you go to the church down the road? They'll let anyone in. And the homeless man goes away upset and confused. And he goes back to his step and he sits down and he prays. God, I don't understand. They won't let me in. I know, says God, they won't let me in either. It's a warning for us, isn't it? Um, a bit of humour in there, but it, it serves. Now, I'm not talking about perfection. We're not Jesus. But there needs to be some sign of supernatural mercy flowing from us. Dogs bark, don't they? Even if it's only a whelp. Christians show mercy. We judge based not on partiality and appearance and favoritism, when what we think is best. But we have been shown mercy despite how we were, how we are. And so we show mercy and love despite how others appear to us. And I wonder if it will surprise you that Scruffy Sid is a real person. And uh, I've changed his name, obviously. And I wonder uh, if it would surprise you to know that he came here. He came here to, to Bromley. And some of you met him. It was a while ago. I wonder if you remember. 17-year-old, scruffy clothes, dirty hair, spoke weirdly, strange kid. I bet you want to know how he got on, how you did. And by all accounts, there were some strange looks and, and not everyone spoke to him. Some may have been a bit uncomfortable. Um, but on balance, he was loved well, actually. He was welcomed in. And actually, some people were brilliant at welcoming him. There was a, a lady, some of you might remember her. She's with the Lord now, Adina. Adina. Um, she was four or five times um, his age, 
and she she was great. Uh, Joyce, uh, Matt Lloyd, um, I mentioned him when I preached this morning, and his face went bright red, but he's not here to do that. Uh, the vicar man, Ian, as well, made him feel really welcome. And actually, since those kind of first few visits, Scruffy Sid has become a Christian. Isn't that great? And Scruffy Sid has just preached to you a message on James 2. It's me. There was a better reaction this morning, but never mind. I'll let you off. Um, I was treated and spoken with mercy. I was loved as a someone. Mercy was given to me. And we want more of that, please. Don't we? More the better. And if you were here, I don't think many of you would have been, but if you were here when I first came and you didn't engage, or when someone else like that came and, and you, you thought, mm, not today, well, here's a challenge, isn't it? To engage with scruffy sits, to engage with people who are different, who are not like me, who, not, who I think are going to be best for me or, or best for the church. When they come in, go and love them. Treat them with mercy, not judgment. Show them how the Lord has treated us when we were in our sins. And if this is something you find hard, a sin you have not put to death, and let's be clear, the Bible says that sin is to be put to death. And partiality is a sin, we've seen that. This isn't just an area we can be okay with struggling with. This is an area we need to put to death. Stop, breathe. Remember the mercy God has shown you. Praise the Lord. You aren't getting the judgment you deserve. If we had the judgment we deserve right now, because of our sins outside of Christ, we would all go to hell. Recall God's mercy, his patience, his forgiveness, his initiative to love you first. He chose you. He chose you. He found you. And look at that cot. That manger in the dirt is glorious. And look at that cross. It's glorious. And pray for the Lord's help and wisdom. God has promised to us, if we come to him for wisdom, he will give it. Ask the king to help you to live out his royal law, to love your neighbour as yourself. God is at work in his people. So let's love increasingly like those who have seen mercy. Because we have. Let's love without partiality. Let's love the poor, the outcast, the difficult, the different. Let's not choose on the basis of, of appearance of who we want to love and who we don't. Let's show the world the glory of Jesus. The King of glory who came down to be spiritually and physically poor to make us rich. His royal law is simple. Love others as you love yourself. And Jesus has fulfilled it in a way we cannot. I cannot take away your sin. I cannot free you. But he sell us an example. 
And the Lord is compassionate and kind and full of mercy. And we praise the Lord because mercy triumphs over judgment. Let me pray. Let me pray. Father God, we, we do feel our, our sin of partiality. We know, Lord, that we have decided who is right to love and who we can ignore. We know that we love others at the cost of others. And Lord, we repent of that. And we pray, Lord, please change us by your mercy. Make us more like Jesus, the King of glory. And we pray we thank you that mercy has triumphed over judgment. Change us and help us shine as a city on a hill. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.